On this upcoming attractions episode of Midnight Double Feature, we've got a brand new trailer for Candyman, plus reviews for Sonic the Hedgehog and Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man. All this and more on this upcoming attractions episode of Midnight Double Feature. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, we're going to use that as the starting. Matthew, what's happening? Welcome back to another episode of Upcoming Attractions, Midnight Double Feature. What's happening, baby? Oh, fuck you. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm good, man. Yourself? I'm good, dude. I just love that you knew immediately how I was going to kick it off. Like, <laughs> It's like the world's worst catchphrase. Oh, but I'm totally cool is. with it. I'm cool. I, I, I wait, can't wait till we have them. T-shirts what? and everything. It's going to be great. Dude, what's better than one Matthew, three Matthews? So, who cares? Right, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Guys, welcome back to another upcoming attractions episode of Midnight Double Feature. On this episode, we're going to go through the latest uh, trailers, or trailer, singular, and we're going to go through a couple of reviews of some stuff that's out in the movies right now. Uh, and then at the end, we're going to talk about our MDF game for this week, which is, what is your favourite video game ad- adaptation now that's a bit of a loaded question um seeing as <laughs> seeing as the quality of video game adaptations isn't that high um, you know the bar's not that high um so that's going to be a fun conversation and our community decided to chime in uh we always post a poll regarding those mdf games uh that's on the after party which is on facebook that's our facebook group it's called the after party that's three words um, that's where our community comes together to talk all things movies and to talk all things movie-related news and memes and just has a great time. Uh, and then we also have our main page, which is Minato Feature, and we also have our two other accounts, which is MDF Pod. That's our Twitter handle, and Midnight Double Feature at Midnight Double Feature rather, which is our Instagram. So give those a follow. Uh, that'll be fantastic. That's where we post all of our. Uh, updates and things like that and you know well you where you'll find our notifications of our latest episodes uh and also please remember to rate and review us on itunes we currently have a little bit of a competition going at the moment um as you're if you're familiar with midnight double feature one of our other big episode formats is feature presentations we're giving away a free pick uh randomly a free pick of any movie for me and colin and possibly matt and danny to cover and you know how long these episodes are? They're like two to three hours, right? So that it's a substantial amount of our time uh, to covering your movie of choice. All you need to do is write us a review on iTunes, screenshot that review, and email it to midnightdoublefeature at gmail.com. And then you go into the running to be selected for a free movie for us to cover, which is awesome, dude. Like, we, got, we already got a few entries uh, that Colin and I have been looking at. Um, and we're just keen to get a few more in there. So that's what we got going on. We're going to have that going for a little bit of while, uh, a little while longer before we decide to close that competition. So really keen. Um, all right, Matt, that's all the boring shit out of the way. What have you been up to? What's happening? What's new? Nothing much, man. I've got a bit of a sore throat, so my voice might sound a little fucked today. Um, other than that, I've just been uh, plucking away at life. How about you? Yeah, uh, plucking away, you know, attending uh, your birthday party, which was fantastic. So happy birthday. I I know that I neglected to say happy birthday two weeks ago on our last Upcoming Attractions episode. So I'm really, really sorry about that because you do it every time for me. And I felt like the biggest fucking asshole. So happy birthday, my friend. Thank Um, you. you. Yeah. But uh, all right, man, let's get into our lone trailer of the week. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's a very quiet week this week. Yeah. 
but we've got a trailer for Candyman. What do you reckon? Yeah. Uh, all right. No, you know what? Let's let's you kick it off, right? This is your genre. You're into well, slashes. You're into horrors. Well, right? I got to be honest, man. Um, I'm not super familiar with the original Candyman. You know um, why I throw it to you? Because neither am I. <laughs> right. So here, here's what I do know about it. I, I know more about it than I have seen the movie. Um, so everything I say, take it with a grain of salt because I haven't verified or checked any of this information because if you think I actually prepare for this podcast, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> um, yeah, that doesn't happen. But the original, which I think might have been late 90s, it has a 90s vibe to it. 92. Um, 92, okay, early 90s, my bad. I know Candyman, I think he was seen as the first or one of the first, um, like, black slasher horror villains. Um, and Tony the- Todd, dude. I love Tony Todd. Right. What's he in? I'm not familiar with him. Uh, he was in uh, Final Destination. He was always uh, the, you know, you know, the guy, like, the, the really creepy guy who was always telling, like, you know, kind of giving them expo- exposition. Like, he would be- right the guy to tell them uh, that death is coming for them. Like he's so, like, for, uh, so to put him in those movies, that's a little bit of like a stunt casting type. It's like putting Robert England or right, fucking right. Mick Taylor in a horror film or, or some iconic legend, yeah. Uh, not Mick right, Taylor. Exactly. Who am I thinking of? Um, no, John Jarrett. John Jarrett, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or someone who's iconic to that level. I see um, what's his name? Um one of the guys who played Jason, uh, I see him pop up in like B grade horror films all the time, uh, just because everyone's oh, like, Kane "Oh Hodder. my, that's it, Kane Hodder," because everyone's yeah. like, "Oh my god, we oh, it's Jason in another movie, it's like a big deal." Yeah, this like, I think he was good. in, um, I think he was in Hatchet, I think, and uh, or the first one, and a few others. But yeah, um, anyways, yeah, the what I I know like the one of the I think there was there was like some. Socio-political context to that film. I don't fully know it, but it makes sense why Jordan Peele would want to produce something like this. I believe it was something about like, um, I think it takes place in Chicago. I want to say where there's a lot of yes. like, the projects. Yeah, it's a lot of Correct. the projects. A lot of places where you would have like low-income African Americans, and like the fact that someone there going around killing them is kind of a deal. And I know the original film was about a a white female reporter. I think she was a reporter or she was like doing a school project or something. Basically she was going around interviewing people and like, why do they, and like, she was like the one of the few people who thought it was real or something like that. And that's the first thing I noticed with this trailer um, is that they've changed the protagonist to an African American male, which I think kind of helps save you from like being accused of white savior complex stuff. Um, and that's kind of where it stops with my knowledge um, other than I think he has something to do with bees or honey or something. I don't fully understand. Um, well, we are, we, we are uh, like rest in peace to the people who have, you know, actually seen Candyman and are probably like yelling into their, <laughs> into their, uh, you know, radios or speakers or whatever the fuck they're listening to. This to us they're really they're like, like you know? what are you talking about? It takes place in Texas. It's about a talking chainsaw named it's Timmy. It's a fucking comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rom-com. You don't get it, man. Exactly. It's a, yeah. it's actually the prequel to B movie. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld Jerry has a, Seinfeld's in it. Jerry Seinfeld has a cameo and everything. Fucking Kramer walks uh, through the door every episode, every fucking scene. <laughs> oh, dude! Oh, yeah. I need to see that movie. Um, okay, but let's let's get all the way out of the way and let's just say we've both seen this trailer with kind of fresh eyes. Um, yeah. 
And from what I understand, like the tone of this looks a little bit different to the original anyways. So yeah, it looks very modern. It looks very, it's got that, I want to say Stranger-esque, Stranger Things-esque vibe. I feel like Stranger Things has created this new genre of horror where it's like, Young kids teaming up. Well, I guess the 80s slashes had that too, but they've kind of revitalized it in a new way. Um, loving the the feel and look of the film. Um, and I know it's a trend nowadays to get like a popular song and like, hey, let's make a creepy version of it. Um, and while I think it is smart to use Beyonce's Say My Name, that song in my head is still so poppy and catchy that I can't take it seriously even when they're doing a creepy version of it. But I love the concept of it. You know, if you say Candyman, uh, Candyman's name three times, he comes out and kills you, kind of like Bloody Mary. Five times. Oh, five times, sorry. It's, he had to one up, he had to two up Bloody Mary. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but yeah, by putting the Destiny's Child, I'm not sure, is it, is it Destiny's Child or Beyonce? I think it's Destiny's Child. Um, Dude, like I don't give a remix, fuck. Remix <laughs> in just- there. I'm not it, keen. Yeah. You're not keen in the movie? Oh, no, no. I was just about to say I'm not keen to just like go through random fucking early 2000s, you know, performers and be like, hey, it's probably her. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, yeah, look, I, I am somewhat keen. This trailer doesn't really get me that excited though. Um, uh, I mean, look, there's a thing There's a thing for me, right? I mean, you know, movies these days really, really love to push these big time, you know, directors when they're producing stuff. Um, the, the the big one for me is James Cameron. Man, the shit that James Cameron has produced, but you know the the movie ends up being dog shit because they're directed by someone else. Um, yeah, it's I don't know, <laughs> like you know. Um, so Jordan Peele, you know, like I'm I'm hoping that he takes a bit more of a hand hands on approach. This movie is actually directed by a 29 year old. Her name is Nia DaCosta. It's a she, which is really interesting as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, I know that made me sound like you know I just gave a backhanded compliment, but it's really it's really interesting to give a, a female director a horror movie. You know, considering you know I I really like um the Babadook, like you know the yeah. you, you saw the Babadook, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that was obviously an Australian film, blah blah blah. Um, I fucking forgetting on forgetting the director's name of that, but um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. Like, I, like I know very little about the original. Uh, <clears throat> about the original Candyman, uh, other than um, what they covered on our one, one of our one of our favorite podcasts, Rogues Gallery, which is handled by uh, Chris Schrader and uh, the guys over at um, not not all the guys over at How Do You Remember, but um, they they covered you know the the actual Candyman, like what they do. The whole premise of their podcast is to go through villains and anti villains and kind of like dedicate a whole entire episode to them, and it's pretty cool. So I recommend checking that podcast out. Um, I know that the projects are called Cabrini Green. <laughs> I know that, uh, you know, Candyman comes out if you say his name five times. But other than that, that's it. Like, he uses a hook for a hand. Some of the bees are involved somehow. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I will. I would like to check out the original before checking out this one. Um, I really, really adore the, um, the, the lead in this. The lead in this is uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Um, if he sounds familiar to you, he was um, he was the the villain in Aquaman. He was in Watchmen. Um, he was also briefly oh. in Us, very briefly in Us. Um, this movie's being written. Uh, oh, sorry, I know the original was written by Clive Barker, who also wrote Hellraiser and directed Hellraiser. Um, mm. So you know, like behind the, the scenes, the good Hellraiser, the good one, right, 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 right. <laughs> the one good one. Um, so yeah, like you know, like behind the scenes, there's some 
there's some decent talent here. So I'm really, really keen to see what they bring to this project. But as far as this trailer goes, I'm not I'm not utterly convinced. You know, it's it's super really quickly cut and you know, you, you don't really get a sense of like what's happening and like you know, all the like the, all the horror tropes are there, uh, which is good in a way. Like all the, you know, you want to you're you're expecting to go into a horror movie and things like that. But I I, I don't know. I think I was just looking for a little bit more. You know, it I seems think, a little bit uh, conventional. Yeah, I feel like yeah, it is pretty conventional. Also, I think this trailer is choosing not to show us a lot. Um, I think it's just yeah. trying to set things up. I think. You know, we noticed this pattern with superhero movies, especially. But the second trailer, we'll probably see more of the villain or the more of the the thing, and the third trailer will pretty, pretty much more of the same. But so maybe trailer two will win us over. Um, I feel like I said this last podcast about another movie, um, whatever it was. But yeah, um, I'll check it out. I'll watch any horror movie in the cinema. Um, I might try and catch up on the first one first, though. I do believe there were some director sequ- uh, director DVD sequels, but I'm pretty sure most people ignore that. So I might watch the first one to catch up. I think there were two from memory. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, um, <laughs> it's funny where we came in. I know it's funny where we came in. Like I was like full expecting you to give me full, a, a full on lowdown of like you know Candyman. This is the history. This is like how I saw like when I first saw it. Blah blah blah. And I was just like, oh. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you, most slashes I would, but that's like one of the few that I missed. Um, and I'm assuming he's a slasher because I, I don't actually know Candyman very well. I just assume it's a slasher just based on like it was near the end of that slasher trend, I think, that was going in. Like I think it leaked into like the early 90s a bit. Um, and then it's sort of like I feel like the 90s sort of took over with action movies when you got stuff like Terminator 2 and shit like that. Um Stuck yeah, with Terminator yeah. 2? Dude, you, you, you say that like that's a bad thing. No, 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 no. I mean, like, <laughs> Terminator 2 is like the benchmark. When was Terminator 2? Is that 1993? 90, 91. 91. 91. Yeah, there you go. So I think because I feel like that started, like, inspiring special effects along with, like, obviously we got Jurassic Park a few years later. Um, but, yeah, when I think of 90s, I think of, like, action movies with, like, real stunts and real explosions. And I... I always long for those days. Oh, you're talking about the Nicolas Cage tour de force that is Face Off? Oh, yeah. The peak <laughs> of Cage. Peak Cage. Dude, no. Peak Cage, man, I got to argue, is Con Air. Like, come on, dude. You can't go past Con well, that was, I'm sorry. Well, that was, what, 90, 90 uh, what, 94 maybe? Uh, yeah. Probably earlier, maybe not. No, I don't think it was that early. Really? Maybe. Yeah. Ma- anyways. Currently uh, looking this yeah. up to prove you wrong. Okay. Oh, I, I, I'm 97. There we go. 97. 97. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Thought it My was bad. Wild. Cause it went just, to rock and then it went face off. Uh, and then yeah. It went, yeah. Connor. I'm like, I just saw the bad haircut. So I oh, assumed boy. it was, I saw Ooh. I see a bad haircut. I assume it's from the eighties or close to it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, I mean like, look, we don't have that much to say about, <laughs> about, um, fucking, what is this movie called again? Candyman. Candyman. <laughs> I'm going to, I don't know. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, maybe a second trailer will sway me. Maybe you know closer to the uh, release. I don't know. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. But yeah, as it is right now, I don't know. Nah, whatever. So I have, this really feels like the shortest episode ever because we're already ready for trailers. Uh, sorry, reviews. Aren't Dude, we? we are ready for reviews, and the first one we're going to be reviewing is uh, speaking of slashes, speaking of horror. We're going to go straight into the Invisible Man. What happened to him? Adrian's dead. Listen. You're getting your freedom back, okay? 
He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Adrian is dead. He's not dead. He has figured out a way to be invisible. So the Invisible Man. Zoheb, I think we both kind of like this movie. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, man, I uh, really, really enjoyed this movie, man. This movie was super effective. Um, I went into this with really high expectations, you know, considering it's, you know, Lee Wanell who's just coming right off, um, uh, coming off Upgrade, man. Like, Jesus Christ, Upgrade was great. Um, yeah. Like, seriously, like he, he thought, oh, by the way, I listened to a podcast interview, he thought that, you know, when Blumhouse and Universal called him into an interview, um, they were going <laughs> to interview him about a Upgrade sequel, but that's not the case because, like, midway through, they're like, hey, what do you think about The Invisible Man? And he's like, uh, I think it's a good property, you know, I don't know much about it, but uh, this is how I would, like, do it, you know, and then he started pitching this domestic violence-esque kind of, like, thriller. Um but yeah, man, like this is a character that's been around for 130 years. Like seriously, 1897 is when the character was put on paper. Um, and, you know, they've had countless like adaptations and things like that. You know, you've got the original movie. Uh, you've got the, the, the 90s Kevin Bacon film called Hollow Man, right? Like that was a thing. Um, but no, no director or no writer, which Lee Wanell is both, have put him in the context of a sort of domestic violence uh, slash stalker sort of uh, slasher. And when you see it play out, it's perfect. Like that that kind of concept, that kind of like background or like or genre of film fits this character like a glove because, you know, not only does he have the ability to go invisible, but he also has the ability to, you know, create this sense of paranoia in the lead. Um, and, you know, no... No Invisible Man adaptation has ever thought to put the victim as the lead character. Like, you know, it's never been, the Invisible Man's never been a villain. Like, he's always been, you know, the, the scientist who's always kind of like, you know, trying to create this invisibility sort of like ability. Um, so it, it's really interesting to see how he used this character and how he kind of like took this really classic, you know, universal monster and kind of made it his own and made it not only just relevant, but also really exciting. You know, the ex execution of this movie is just absolutely stunning, dude. Like, not only is it filmed amazingly, um, like, you know, you just get these, like, you know, you get sometimes you get these, like, pans of, like, nothing, and you don't know if he's there and you don't know if he is. And I listened yeah. to an interview with, like, Lee Wanell, and there are scenes that are, like, you, you know, although you can't see anything and although the scene kind of kind of goes nowhere, the camera, like, you know, angle goes nowhere, he actually is there. They put him in the suit and, like, they mo-capped him and, like, they like they made him invisible. You know what I mean? Like, there's a scene in the house where he's actually physically there. Um, but it has no bearing on the story. It's just, you know, meant to, like, meant to be there to fuck with you. So there's there's like little things like that that are just like cut throughout the film and it's just absolutely amazing. I can't watch I can't wait to watch this again. Um the domestic violence aspect of this is absolutely perfect. I just I can't get off that element of it. Um the way this movie starts, dude, I love how it just kicks off, you know, with this escape sequence. Like it it wastes no time. There's no bullshit or backstory. You know, we don't get a scene of like um uh, of Adrian, you know, bashing what, what's her name, uh, Elizabeth Moss's character. We don't get any of that stuff. It's just literally the fear in her face as the movie opens um, and, you know, how careful she's being. That tells us already enough how dangerous this guy is. Um, you know, the very fact that she 
physically has to remove his hand as it's slumped over her while they're sleeping. Like that, that says a lot, you know, like I don't need a physical violence scene or anything like that. Um, the score of this movie is absolutely outstanding. It's by Benjamin Wallfish, who, uh, along with Hans Zimmer, did Blade Runner 2049. Um, you know, this this movie has a booming score. Like, you know, it's just absolutely, it's it's astounding. Like, like it's just, it takes you by surprise and it just, oh, it's fantastic, man. The moments of tension, like Lee Wanell has just perfected the tension in this film, but not only tension, just the surprise moments where there are no tension. Like there's a scene and spoilers, guys. By the way, if you haven't seen this, uh, stop listening now. Um, you don't want to like you know, jump into spoilers without having seen this movie because this movie has a lot of surprises. Um, there's a scene in a restaurant, man. Like that just takes you by yeah. surprise. It's like what the yeah. fuck, dude. Um, there are so long well takes. done. So well done. Absolutely. There's a sh- there's a scene in a penitentiary. Uh, you know, with a long kind of like long take camera sort of like sequence. Absolutely fantastic, dude! Like he he utilizes some upgrade sequence, uh, upgrade sort of kind of technology. Um, you know, I know on upgrade he used iPhones, but in this, I was listening to a, an interview. He used these kind of like motion cameras. That's really interesting. Um, you, know, you could do some research into that, but it's really really cool, super interesting how he utilizes these cameras. Um, but yeah, man, like this is just just a a fantastic movie from start to finish. Like I love the way this movie plays on your emotions. I love the way that we feel how Kate Moss's character, Kate Moss, uh, Elizabeth Moss's character feels or how any woman would feel in a domestic violence relationship. Like they feel like they can't, they're not heard. They feel like that they can't escape. They feel like that they're trapped, you know, in their own world and no one's believing them. Um, and it's just, it, it absolutely works in the context of a monster film. And in my opinion, man, I just think I was not expecting to give this movie a 10, but I can't imagine giving it any lower. Like, this is this is a perfect film, uh, in my opinion. I, there's nothing I would change about it, dude. Um, you know, I guess I guess it does slow down somewhere in the middle, um, but, look, that's not really a minus for me at all. Um, I really like the practical way they explained the suit but not over-explained it. Um, it, it this is just a, an astounding film, and it was it's really... Again, went in with super high expectations and was not disappointed in the slightest. I wanted more of it, but at the same time, I don't want more of it. I'm happy with this as it is. Like, you know, not connected to an overall franchise, just a one-and-done kind of thing. Um, I love the twists and turns. Uh, Yeah, this is just an absolute 10 for me, dude. Love this film. How about you? Yeah, I really really liked Invisible Man. Um, I also went in with high expectations, and they were met. Um, Lee Winnell is... Probably my favorite Australian director. I also like James Wan a lot too, but yeah, so I, I had a lot, a lot of high hopes. Um, I was curious, um, but leading up to their like reveal of trailers and stuff, how the fuck they would pull off Invisible Man because, um, yeah, he's one of the universal classics, but let's be real, almost all the universal classic monsters are really boring by today's standards. Well, he predates Universal Classics. Like, Universal Classics, like, came around in the 40s uh, slash 50s, right? Yeah, but but even the monsters back then, pretty... Like, Dracula is boring as fuck. When was the last... I can't think of a single good Dracula movie that I liked. Hold up. Hold up. I love Dracula, dude. Um, What's What's a good movie starring Dracula? Van Helsing? Bram Stoker's Dracula. (laughs) When's that? 
When was that? Uh, Keanu Reeves, Gary Oldman, 97, 98, I think. Fuck. Really good movie, okay. dude. So that's before Dracula Untold. Oh, dude, fuck. Yeah, yeah Jesus Christ, man. Like, come on. <laughs> but see what I mean? Like, like, we haven't got a good one. Like, that's that's 20 years ago. Um, You know, we haven't got a lot of them. Like, Frankenstein, we haven't seen a good Frankenstein movie. And I can't even remember when we last time we got a Frankenstein movie. Joe Johnston. Um, the Mummy. Oh, I, I Frankenstein, right? Um, that was yeah. with Aaron Eckhart. But Joe Johnston's um, The Wolfman, right? Back in, I think, 2009 with Benicio did, Del Toro. Yeah, there was that one. And I think that one didn't do great at the box office. Didn't do so well. Didn't do critically yeah, and either. then um, obviously the Mummy reboot was terrible. And even with the the good Mummy movies, the the first one was kind of staying true-ish to the original. But after that, they just turned to an action franchise because they're like, what the fuck can we do with this character? So obviously when you come to a character like the Invisible Man, who compared to the others is the least monstery um, in terms of appearance, uh, for lack of a better word, Um you you think, okay. And the main thing about him, they changed too, which was like, oh, we're usually covered in bandages. That's how you see it. Not once in this film. There's like, I think a, an Easter egg where um, she sees someone who's um, down, uh, in pain covered in bandages. I don't know if that's meant to be him or not, but um, like they don't, like they, that's how far they got away from the source material. And for good reason too. Uh, they had the, Lee Winnell just took the very, very, very basic concept and came up with a really great premise. Um, some of the best horror movies and the most praised horror movies are um, horror movies that take a concept and sort of use it as a way to retell uh, a message um, by showing how it can be scary, but with a supernatural sense. You know, like Bubba Duck is a good look on. Um, I think it was. I think it was like depression, post mortem depression. Uh, grief and all that sort of like those those negative feelings that stay with you. Obviously, we've got Get Out, uh, which looks at like things like racism. Uh, you got obviously things like um, hereditary. Oh, hereditary, yeah. There's a few, man. There's quite a lot. And this one, like, th- this could have easily been fucked up. Like, as in, you could have you could have easily missed the boat with this concept. Like, so Lee was very smart with the way that he tread the fine line to like not fuck up anybody's triggers. I think with this, I'm sure it might've for some people, but by smartly showing early on that he is abusive and he's someone to be scared of, but they never, they never talk about physical violence. It's more so much the psychological aspect of control, right, which is, which is in abusive relations. What a lot of people don't realize is domestic violence is not always physical violence. In fact, usually it's not, it's controlling people, it's telling people what they can and can't do. It's um, playing mind games. And the movie smartly dives more into that. So there's right, the we paranoia. Only get, you know, we only get the the illusion, well, I mean, like the implication that he hit her like literally once, like, you know. Yeah, until he's actually attacking her as a monster for uh, in, in that term, like you, you just know that he's a shitty person. Sure. He breaks his arm to the window, but like they never actually show you a proper physical, like a scene that would replicate something realistic, um, which I think could give right. people bad memories and, and stuff, which is fucking smart to do. Right. Um, and, because and, that and way- most of it's played off like Elizabeth Moss's, you know, like face, like it's on her. It's the yeah. way that she's, She's really reacting to, you know, like his the news that he's dead, or and you know the the news that yeah. he's probably possibly come back and stalking her. Like for the most part, 
of the first half of the film, it's implied violence, violence, mm, which is yeah. why the film for some people may go a bit slow and, and rightly so, because there's a lot to set up and they have to play with, to pull this concept off, you really do have to play with the fact like, is she crazy? Is it real? Because for a while, until she finds a suit, oh, sorry, until she gets like first attacked, like you don't really know for sure. Um, there's, there's like things leading up to it, but like, she just says, oh, he's a leader in optics. He can do it. But when she first says he could turn someone visible, like they don't really set that up strongly. I think to, to an advantage because it shows, it shows how much of an out there concept it is, but you've been with her on this journey. So you're kind of as an audience member brought to believe her. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, basically, long story short, the script is really smartly written the way it handles it. Because then when it does do the violent stuff, it's really earned those moments. And I think while there isn't many killings in the first half, they really make up for it towards the end. Um, especially with the scene very much so where you can see uh, Lee Winnell took a lot what he learned from Upgrade um, for an amazing, an amazing sequence in the um, mental ward. Um but yeah, I think the best things about this film, obviously, um, Elizabeth Moss' performance um, is incredible. I think it's very strongly directed. I think it's it might. I think it's Lee's best directing to date. I would say, um, and I fucking loved Upgrade, but this even tops that. I would say, um, this is a director really, that gets better and better, dude. Yeah, man, and you know what I love? Just being a fan of him, I can see how he evolves. Like, obviously, it's a very different film to Upgrade, but when those more action-based sequences happen. You can see elements of that in here. And then like towards the end of the, the way they're doing twists, it's like, oh, there's the old saw coming out of him, you know, uh, which I think has been with him for a lot of his projects. Um, I think what was really cool, what's really cool about this film and what I love about horror slasher villains is I want them to have an iconic look. And this does. When you see the suit, it is creepy, but kind of believable the way that's all little cameras and they sort of move constantly. Um, the smartest thing this film does besides um, using this concept to convey a lot of belief, like, you know, a lot of things to do with like, you know, that fit into like things like the believe all women, um, like sort of movement and things about um, uh, those sort of themes is another thing it does is it, it knows when not to over explain for the most part, um, I think the best thing it does is not explaining how he got invisible and not setting up the character so much. The less we know about him, the scarier he becomes. And you don't really meet the character until the like one of the final scenes um, when he starts talking and he tries to play it off. And that's when you really, like, more than ever, realize how manipulative um, this guy is. And it just really can ring true to some of like the most terrible monsters of today's society. Um, I think the kills are really great when they are done. Um, I'll, there are some genuine scares here. Great use of suspense. Um, my only major nitpick is I think... Get ready for me to fight you hard. This They don't do enough to explain the twist. They leave a lot up to the imagination. Wait, which um, twist? The, the one about the involvement of his brother. Um, oh, they, right. they, 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 they do plant, but what they do, but it's not, I'm not saying it's bad because he does definitely plant the seeds, but there were some moments where both my girlfriend and I left, uh, where we tried to actually sit down and talk it out and break it down. 
we both were still slightly confused. Like, we're like, oh, well, maybe this happened, but the film never tells you that happened or whatever. Like, so I end up trying to, I started making up stuff to explain things. And I know when my brain does that, that means the film hasn't Dude, done the best job of explaining. That's funny. Cause you know, like I watched it with my girlfriend and we both, like, we both kind of like picked it. Like, you know, like before the reveal, we were like, oh, you know, bet you he's in on it. Bet you he's wearing the suit. Oh, I thought that too. <laughs> I thought that too, but I was expecting them to go on more depth of explaining how he was. Yeah. Like, yeah, look, at, at that like, moment, did he, did he, like, like, I'm thinking, like, did he, um, did, was, did he help put, uh, did he help put Adrian behind the wall or did Adrian do that himself? Um, uh, there's a sign. I think the biggest thing that confused us is there's a uh, when he when he starts presenting her the ultimatum, go back to Adrian, you'll be okay. There's a sign on the table that's blue tacked there to the table that says um, don't draw or read on the table, and I couldn't figure out if he presented that or oh, if that was no, already no. there. That was a uh, that was a mental ward thing. Yeah, no, that's that's just yeah, a- yeah. So at first I thought he was scared of. Adrian, he's like saying lying, so he's secretly on her side. No, but then no. they cut back to that. it later. But then they cut back to it later, and I'm like, why the fuck are they showing this? So it's like, okay, so he was working with Adrian, but why? Like, they we know why Adrian wants to, but we don't know his motivations. Like, he's just not as well developed as a character, so I don't understand his motivations as much. So, um, do do you, like? Here's my thoughts, right? I um, think it, I, I assume it's something to do with. Something they don't show us. We he does mention something early in the film about Adrian was used to control him and find ways to control him. But you know, I would have wanted to see a scene where Ad- I know maybe find out he was blackmailed or he was um, he was scared for his life and that's why he did it. Like we don't know the motivation, but unless you you saw something, I didn't. I'm um I, I don't honestly. If there was a scene of him blackmailing uh, his brother, I would have been out. I'm just like, yep, nope, cool. Oh, but I'm we good. could have found something later. Like maybe there was a, maybe the guy was like, yeah, he was helping Adrian because something, something. You know, give uh, us, give us something. You know. So this is what I'm, this is what I'm getting right. Like, so the movie presents uh, this argument that, um, you know, Elizabeth Moss's character believes that the brother was not in the suit the entire time. Like he, she knew for a fact that Adrian was a 100% stalking her. Because he yeah. knew things like physically about their relationship. He said, you know, like he, she could literally hear his voice when he said, you know, surprise and things like that. Like that's a, that's a thing. Like she could feel his presence, you know, she knows a hundred percent. So like when, you know, when the cops find him, it's not that much of a stretch for Adrian to just go back to the house and hide there. Like, you know, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need to see him physically go back yeah, to the house no, and hide I know there, that. So like, but why did he do it? That's what I'm saying. To get himself back into her life. Like, like literally. No, no, that's no. What- Why did Adrian's brother do that though? Oh, oh. Um- that's my problem. I don't, that character's not defined. The twist would work even better if it made sense to me. Because the, the only thing I have to, to that from the movie to suggest why his motivation was there was that earlier in the film, there's like a, there's like a small line where it says something like, Adrian's to try and find ways to control me too. So that's why I was happy when he married you because he started focusing on you a bit. So yeah. we, we know there's a history of it, but we don't know, you know, I'm why would he want to kill these people? Like I get if one of them's a psycho, but what's the chance of two people in a family being a uh, a serial killer? But does he uh, does he actually kill anyone? Like, you know, like or is um, he just or is it about yeah, well, to fuck it, with? 
Well, we know at the very least he was trying to kill the the daughter because that's why he was there. Because um, mm. Adrian Adrian said he would kill the daughter, which kind of explains why he was able to get there so fast. But like, and that's the other thing too. Like this guy had no, to our knowledge, history of killing people, but now all of a sudden he wants to kill everybody. And like, apparently he's like a jujitsu champion because out of nowhere he was like the best at killing people. Like, he oh was, look, I mean, sure he's invisible. I can, I can but, buy that. I can buy that. I'm sorry. Well, like, just- I'm willing. I'm willing to suspend my disbelief because. It's a movie and I want to enjoy yeah, the movie. Yeah. But it's like if they explained earlier something like, I don't know, he used to be in the military, so he's good at fucking killing. Uh. Like this guy's got no remorse. This guy's got nothing. Like most and that's the thing where it starts to fall apart a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. Yeah. In real life, domestic abusers and shit aren't serial killers. They probably would never kill someone if given the chance. They just want to control someone or they want to feel powerful. That's generally the thing, but obviously it's a horror movie. They gotta entertain you. They're gonna push it a bit to the limit, so I can forgive it mostly. Um, but just some of that stuff, I feel like it was set up, um, or at least you know, give us a history. Like, oh, you know, he used to be violent with other people too, or he's he's good at shooting people. Like he he shoots like five people in this movie at least with no hesitation. Um, but so yeah, that's what I mean nitpicks those are nitpicks doesn't mean it's a bad movie so actually i really love that killing scene in the mental ward because it i got vi- i got terminator 2 vibes a little bit which i know sorry terminator or like terminator vibes a little bit just the the no remorse no relently just kill 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 killing spree that type of shit and i know terminator was influence and upgrade as well so i really love that sort of stuff as well it was really fun um and i just yeah i really love the suit how it looked Overall, I think I'm going to give it a nine. Um, I also do think the beginning was a bit slow, but I'm willing to forgive it mostly because it built up to such great fucking shit. Um, And it's definitely one of the better horror movies. Actually, one of the best I've seen in a while. Um, I'm also interested with what they could do next because- Oh, dude, don't, don't. I'm going to take off my headphones right now. (laughs) Why? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it can do, like, I just think it should be one and done. Like, you know, well, I, I know, but you know what Lee Winnell's like? He's, he's all his films are set. They set up potential sequels. You know, he wants to do upgrade to saw had a thousand sequels. Uh, yeah. It's, but it's smart for him. Yeah. It's smart for him as a director to put himself in a good shoes at Blumhouse to allow that. And slashes always do that. But if she's the killer, it's going to kind of undo a lot of the good character work and stuff done in the last film. So I really hope either they leave it or they have a, the world's best fucking concept for the next film because I'd be worried about what they would, would do with that. Um, but I also want to say also real quick, um, I really enjoyed um, not only uh, Elizabeth Moss's performance, I really liked um, the, the Aldous cop. Hodge, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Aldous he Hodge. was pretty great. Like I was looking at how ripped he was in one scene like, this guy will be in a Marvel movie one day. I can see it. He'll <laughs> do it. Uh, For sure. The Black daughter Panther too. Two. Yeah, the daughter as well. She was she was pretty charismatic, I thought. She was um, in uh, a terrible Disney movie. Uh, called- she looks like a Disney kid. What was it called? Called. Uh, God damn it. Um, it was directed oh. by Ava DuVernay. It was terrible. I can't remember. Uh, um, but yeah, the casting all around was great. I love seeing the villain from Upgrade in one scene. That was a cool 
nod. So you um, and I, you and I, let, let's let's talk about us a little bit, right? Like you and you, you and me. The movie we, Us. No, 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 no. <laughs> we disagree on like fundamentals. Like you know, like it, it's funny because I, I I think my favorite part of this movie was the first half. Like I I didn't think that you know the the second half was terrible or anything. Like I I actually thought it was great, but. You know the whole psychological element of it, the whole build up of it. I, I just, yeah, that was that was all me, dude. And you know what? We were talking about Mandy a couple of weeks ago, and I remember you telling me about Mandy, and you're like, "Oh, the second half is so much better than the first, blah blah." And I was like, "Dude, I actually love the first half better. Like, I love Seriously? the build up." I almost walked out of the cinema during the first yeah, half. I'm see, glad we, I didn't because I love the second half. But there's literally a 15 minute scene where a girl stares down the barrel barrel of the lens and just talks spaciously. <laughs> Uh, and I'm just there, like, where is this going? And Mandy. But that being said, I, lo- I, I, I don't, I don't dislike the first half. Like, like I said, it's that sort of slow burn shit. It's got to have a good payoff to make it good for me. And it, you know, that's that's everything about Breaking Bad. It's everything about Game of Thrones. And this movie does that really well. And I do like the, the almost the mystery element of it. I think it was good. Um, so it's um with that point, it's like a double edged sword for me. And this cool. one, it pulls it off. But a lot of films fuck that up, I find. But this one didn't fuck it up, which is right. Um, um, just just yeah. before we move on, um, just for the sake of completion, uh, Storm Reid, the girl in uh, The Invisible Man, was in a movie called A Wrinkle in Time. That was the movie. Oh, yeah. with Oprah. Yeah, it was a bad movie, man. That sucked ass. All right, man, you're ready to move on to Sonic the Hedgehog? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers. So I came to yours. It gets a little lonely, but that's okay. I am living my best life on Earth. What? Ow! Let the plate Sonic! Let the pitcher's mount also Sonic! All right, Matthew, talk to me about Sonic the Hedgehog because I did not watch this. <laughs> Um, this movie was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Um, for, it's a kid's movie. So you got to like take it as a kid's movie, but by kid's movie standards, I'd say it's, it's, it's way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, good for them. Like, how do I start? Um, okay. So first of all, it's got a lot of heart, um, which I did not expect from a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Um, what they do is, uh, first of all, they're very smart. They just take the character and they just plop him into the real world and they use that as a way to sort of get rid of everything else. So they don't have to go through all this work of setting up all this bullshit and explaining all this stuff. They know the the, the best thing about Sonic the Hedgehog is Sonic the Hedgehog. So they just make him the focus. So all that video, most of the stuff to do with the video games isn't really here. What you do get um, from the video games are just little Easter eggs and they're really well placed, including not even just the games, but like, the meme culture around Sonic the Hedgehog, which is a massive community, probably more popular than the games themselves, um, which, you know, a lot of Marvel movies have like really forced Easter eggs, but this one is pretty organic and they're all great. Um, but yeah, the, there was a lot of heart. They took this character who's really cocky and overconfident, but they made him very lonely because he was like trapped in this world where he wasn't allowed to make be around people and stuff. And so when he goes to these, move moments like they really are like develop making friends and all that stuff it really has a lot of heart to it and you gotta love it for that and ben schwartz um did a great job 
um, of voicing Sonic. I knew straight away that'd be great casting and I was fucking right. Um, in, the, in the first maybe 20% of the film, um, he's a little annoying when he's mostly by himself, but once you start, you start putting the scenarios around people, he's great. Uh, the thing everyone's going to talk about is Jim Carrey, obviously. That's because Jim Carrey feels like 90s, 2000s Jim Carrey. Like he's he's doing what he does best. Um, and we I feel like we haven't seen Jim Carrey do, do what he does best in a long time. That being said, he's not the star of the show. He's the villain. Um, he, a lot of his scenes, he is mostly by himself or he's like with just a few other people where he's just chewing the scenery and they're just reacting to him being crazy. It did make me notice something, and I might cop some flack for this, about Jim Carrey's over-the-top comedic performances. And I, once I noticed in Sonic, I started noticing his old other films too. But generally, like, what makes him go crazy, there's no trigger. He just is like that. And so it's pretty unrealistic, so you really have to, like, be ready for that. Um, but it's always funny. Like, he is, he is really funny. But I'll still say... Um, the character Sonic, this is his movie and Jim Carrey never um, steals the spotlight for too long. He, he, he works in it. Um, that being said, this movie is really fucking safe. Um, you can always guess what's going to happen next. Um, a lot of the jokes I feel like have been done before. Like, you know, an X-Men, um, that Quicksilver scene where everything slows down. He fucks around with that. This movie does that twice and they're both pretty good, but not as good as X-Men with Quicksilver. Um, but the jokes are legitimately funny. Um, it is pretty funny at times. Um, uh, I They they didn't make it feel like they're trying to force a franchise on you. There was an end credit scene that sets up a sequel, which is great, um, but it doesn't feel forced. But overall, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a really good script. Um, it's legitimately funny most of the time. Uh, most of the jokes land. Um, and yeah, I think like if to, I think you have to compare it to Detective Pikachu since it's another video game movie with live action aimed at kids. I think Detective Pikachu is slightly a little bit better, um, but this this was also really good. I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Um, well, maybe not high. my favorite. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to compare it to fucking anything by Tarantino, but you know, Tim Miller did a good, I think Tim Miller directed this. I'm pretty sure he did. No, uh, who, no, 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 he, he, no, he produced it. He produced it. Did he, he did some shit. He did something with this. Um, Deadpool two guy. That's Tim Miller, right? No, no. Deadpool two was Chad Stahelski. Uh, sorry, David Leach. What Tim Miller do? Fuck. Now I got to check. Terminator, yeah. Terminator, Dark Fate. <laughs> but he also did, um, sorry, no, sorry. The director is, Jeff Fowler. What did Tim Miller do? I thought he did something on this. No, I don't think no? so. No. Okay, well, sorry, I almost gave credit to the wrong person. Uh, Jim, F- Jeff Fowler, sorry, Jeff Fowler uh, directed the shit out of this. He did a good job, and um, I really enjoyed this movie. Eight out of ten, and um, yeah, it was really fun. That's the main thing you want out of a Sonic movie. You want, you want it to be fun. I legitimately hope they do a sequel. Yeah. Uh, I think they actually might, but seeing as uh, how much it crushed at the box office, right? Uh, yeah. Got, I think it was like it beat Birds of Prey out, and then I think it stayed number one in the second week. I don't know how it's doing now, but it's – I think the redesign might have had might have secretly been the best way to promote this film ever because um, from my understanding, the way it was promoted um, – Actually, friend of the show, Anna, worked in the Australian promotion of this film. Uh, she, nice. uh, I remember her telling me 
Um, the way they went for advertising this film was like, look, if the video game people like it, they'll go see it. If they don't, they won't. We don't have to advertise to them. So just treat it like a kid's film, like a family film. And just advertise families, which was a smart choice. It is a family film, so you got to expect it to not be... You gotta remember it's a kid's film, but it's it's a good kid's film. And um, I had a lot of fun. Um, my girlfriend wasn't even that attached to Sonic, and she wants to see it a second time. So, uh, Damn. yeah. Yeah, and also, um, it just reminds me, I think Patrick, it might have been Patrick in the after party once a while ago, was talking about um, how come movies don't have to tie-in songs anymore. Well, um, there's one in this movie, and it's okay if you're a Wiz Khalifa fan. But, yeah. <laughs> if you're it's a Weezy bad. fan, yeah, wow, yeah. Um, I don't think a lot of our listeners are, but okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know I wouldn't recommend this film for everybody. It's not going to change your life, but um, you know, for what it is, it does a good job of for what it is. So yeah, cool, man. That's awesome. Um, all right, man. Like let's let's segue this into our MDF game for the week. Uh, we posted a question in the after party and uh, we posted a poll to go with that after party question. Uh, the question was very carefully, very carefully worded. What is your favorite video game adaptation? Not best, what, what, favorite. Why don't you kick this off, man? Uh, what's your favorite? Oh, baby. This, <laughs> oh, man. This was like, dude, this was like scraping shit. Like, this was, I, I okay, because I haven't seen Detective Pikachu. And I haven't seen Sonic the Hedgehog. And uh, to be honest, I don't even think those two, even if I did watch them, would make my list, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen my fair share of video game adaptations. I've seen Warcraft. Uh, I've seen uh, Prince of Persia. I've seen Assassin's Creed. Um, and, you know, every I time... I heard they- Warcraft was okay. I didn't see it. Was that Warcraft all right? is okay. Yeah, it's actually not bad. Yeah. Um, I feel like, in general, like, video games used to be really bad. Movies... But, like, they're getting better because Rampage wasn't terrible either. That was all right. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that one, man. That one, was a, that one was a snoozer, you know, the old snoozer. That's what I call those. Um, I think my favorite video game adaptation of all time is going to have to be Need for Speed. Uh, you know what? I was also going to say after Rampage, Need for Speed also was pretty decent. Yeah, it. You know what? It I actually, think. it actually was. Yeah, it, it was okay because again, look, scraping, scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of categories here, like Need for Speed, it's not the greatest movie of all time, and it's not the worst movie of all time. But I'll tell you what it does. It's got practical effects. It's shot pretty damn decently. Uh, it's very straightforward. It's got Michael Keaton in it. It's got Aaron Paul in it. Um, and it's got fast cars, <laughs> like you know, uh, it's got uh, Kid Cudi in it as a, as an actor. He's acting in it. Um, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, mostly I like it for the practical effects, if anything. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of times with these video game adaptations, the 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 effects get away from the the directors. You know, you don't even have to, you know, you could throw a rock at any one of the eight hundred Resident Evil movies that Paul W S Anderson has directed. Um, and just hit some terrible CGI, like you know, it's just it's yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, all those, all those um, Resident Evil movies—they're like trapped in like 2012. I feel oh, or, dude. like they all, they all feel like they were made 15 years ago or so. Um, but uh, Need for Speed, though, I've always said, and this is based off nothing other than my watching of it. I feel like that script was literally written for Aaron Paul, right? It's smartly written in a way. 
to play to his strength as an actor. They go, okay, what's he good at? He can look badass when he needs to, but also he's really good at crying. How do we make him cry and not be a bitch and still be cool? And then like they've, they've smartly wrote a, a script about cool, fast cars um, and still gave him those emotional moments for him to like, it's really like there are moments in that, that it could be like a, you can create a whole show reel of acting from Aaron Paul from that movie, which is weirdly to say about a need for speed film, a franchise that has no characters in it at all. Um, and I also love what I love about that film. This is not my pick, but I'm just adding into your conversation. Yeah, please. Um, I remember the ads for that like, and like how they much they're promoting it. And they're always like compared to other car franchises because they were really trying to distance themselves from Fast and the Furious. So they did everything opposite. Like instead of using like cool hip hop music, they did cinematic score. Um, instead of like over the top CGI effects, they did everything practical, yeah. um, and I, which was like, an hats interesting off, take. Hats off for them for doing that, by the way. Like, I mean, that takes, takes a lot of effort. You know, like the story is not, you know, amazing or anything like that, but man- it's 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 good. Like I actually really kind of like decently enjoy that movie. And um, it's you know what? It's actually been a while since I've seen that movie, so maybe I need to watch it again. Maybe people Same. are screaming into their headphones and shit and being like, "Fuck you, Zohab." <laughs> um, but you know yeah. what? I, I I would be interested to cover that on the podcast just to see uh, if it's as good as I remember it either too. Because yeah. I remember liking it a lot. I'm gonna have to get that one past Colin, but uh, yeah, he's the censor board. Like <laughs> he's the one who's like, nope. See you later. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, man, what's your pick? Well, the best one, at least from the ones on our list that I've seen, uh, I'd probably have to give to Detective Pikachu. Ooh, but the right. question's not the best. It's what's your favorite? Let me guess. Can I guess? Um. Well, I mean, like, actually, you know what? That's how we were supposed to play the game. Fuck, I actually forgot yeah. you were supposed to guess. <laughs> you were supposed to guess my pick. Oh, okay. Yeah, Um. so my favorite, take a guess what it is. I'm going to say Mortal Kombat. It's a close second. Oh, all right. What is it? You are, It's the Mario Brothers movie. Oh. The one that everybody hates. <laughs> the one that, every, and the I one know that was it. covered on how did this get made? <laughs> yeah, everyone hates it. And I know, but as a kid, I thought it was the greatest movie of all time. Because uh, I loved Mario. And I thought it was genius how they made it so real and cool and gritty when really it was a, a directing couple who hated the idea of doing a kid's film and they wanted to do a movie like Blade Runner. <laughs> and why the fuck they got hired is incredible to think of. Um, but as a kid, I just have so many fond memories. I used to watch it like twice a day. This one, My mum never refused to watch it with me. So one day I lied to her, said I had a dream, and then just told her the whole film scene by scene. Um, cause I used to know pretty much almost all the words off by heart. I thought it was, I thought it was so smart the way that they had managed to squeeze a mushroom in there by using it as a shield. It's fucking stupid. But as a kid, I was like, wow, that's really smart. And then like how Yoshi was an actual dinosaur. There's so many stupid fucking concepts in that movie. But as a kid, I was like, wow, that's cool. What if dinosaurs did live under the, in the center of the earth? You know, it was dumb. I think the best movie though well-made might be detective Pikachu. Um, but I also watched Mario Bros. back to back with Mortal Kombat. Fun fact about Mortal Kombat. I realized at an early age, if you watch Mortal Kombat back to back with, um, Bruce Lee's enter the dragon, you'll realize <laughs> they stole the script of enter the dragon. Literally every fucking scene up until like 
the maybe the third act and they just change the characters with Mortal Kombat characters. So the reason that movie isn't completely fucking cringy is because they pretty much stole a Bruce Lee script. Damn. Um, but as a kid, I, I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, Mortal Kombat as well. Probably just as much as I liked um, Mario Brothers. But Mario Brothers was a big... It's one of my first favorite movies as a kid, even though I now know it's fucking terrible. <laughs> well, um, I mean, like, it's fine, man. Like, I mean, you know, the, the, the question was, what is your favorite pick, right? So, man. yeah, I mean... Like, you know what would be a much more... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, no, no, go on, go on, sorry. You know what would be a much more fun, uh, interesting conversation, I think, is what is the worst or what is... What, what, or what movie do you hate the most that's based on a video game? Because there's just so fucking many, right? Dude, there are... There's so many bad ones. There are countless. And I think you might know mine. Actually, you know what? Let's Should we should we guess each other's? Do you know? Do you have one in mind? Yeah. I, gotta, is, I think mine's a tie, actually. <laughs> you can't pause that long in the podcast. I actually thought I lost you for a sec. I was like, <laughs> where are you? Um, I, I had to think. It's a hard question. What's it's a, the worst? It's, a, it's not a visual medium, Matt. They can't hear you think. <laughs> um, oh. Okay. Uh, do you have one? I think it's a tie. Okay. All right. Um, you, what's what's uh, yours? I, I have one definitively. Oh, so I have to guess yours? Yep. Um, is it by Yui Bowl? Well, I mean, I haven't seen any of those, so no. Really? Yeah. Oh, fun fact. I used to like a Yui Ball film a lot as a kid. Um, I used I used to really like House of the Dead. I thought it was cool as a kid. And then I'd look at it now like, no, it was fucking stupid. It's like a 12-year-old director. Because <laughs> um, he's done a few. Um, I'm going to guess, is it Assassin's Creed? No, actually, it's not. Um, I mean, because that movie is somewhat watchable because of Michael Fassbender. My movie... Least liked video game movie of all time is the 2018 Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, ladies oh. and gentlemen, walked out of that one. Yep, walked out of uh, that one. All right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, we yeah. talked about the podcast, and I keep telling you all the best stuff in that movie is in the last half hour. Yeah. The last half hour is like, oh shit, it's what an Uncharted movie could be like. Um, but everything before that, it's like a whole different director did it. It's it's so weird how much it changed. The last half hour feels like a fucking superhero movie. But everything before that, it's so slow and like there's so many scenes of her just trying to like bandage herself up, but because she's like on the verge of death. But at the same time, she's meant to be like this inspirational character. It's a weird fucking movie. It is poorly directed. Um, it's garbage. Yeah. Do you want to guess one of my worst video game movies? Sure. Actually, you know what? I think one might be worse than the other. No, no, no. I've got one. I've got one. Street Fighter. No, I used to like Street Fighter as a kid as well because I'm a damn. fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't but know. This is, when I say kid, I'm talking like eight years old, okay? Uh. So, <laughs> and when the thing with Street Fighter and just like Mortal Kombat, it's like they just try to squeeze so many characters in there. So if you're there just for Easter eggs and references, like those movies have you covered. Um, but I think the worst I've seen... Um, I was originally going to say it tied with Max Payne because Max Payne is Boy. incredibly boring. Um, John Moore you know what? is Actually, not I'm a great check- director. I don't know who gave John Moore the fifth Die Hard movie after Max Payne. Max Payne, the movie feels like it has nothing in common with the video game and it's just weirdly, it's like slow. It's problematic. And- Problematic. Boring. I don't think I barely, of angel I, creatures when I play Pax Payne. I'm sorry, I just don't. I think it might be the most bored I was in cinema. <laughs> next to, um, probably next to the, I was pretty bored with the nun. 
Um, but yeah, I think the worst one for me, Max Payne might be worse, but I think it's Assassin's Creed. Oh, all um, right. Interesting. I think it's just so, it's just incredible how much they miss the mark. Very by the numbers. Um, because because you, 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 you've played the original, right? And like, it's mostly the fans of the game asking for it. And I feel very confident that the director or creative team, like, it's like they looked at the game and said, this is shit. Let's do something completely different. Because when you think of Assassin's Creed, you think of bright colors, running around over buildings, feeling larger than life. It's fun. And you're stealth sneaking up and getting people. But this movie, it's um, about 50% of it is Michael Fassbender being tortured and crying. Yeah, it's him which outside is of like, the Animus, which is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and it's all dark and gloomy. And it's like, okay, this is bad. Then the action scenes are poorly directed. And Bro, like, like you can't tell what's going on. Sometimes I felt you have, and then when you have Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard, like these two are fucking but amazing. Michael Fass- yeah, but Michael Fassbender is not playing an interesting character. He's an interesting actor know, who often does great performances, but like they butchered it by like he's got nothing to do here other than sit around and cry, and that's not interesting to watch. I feel when you go to see a movie about a guy who runs around like Roman cathed- jumps off Roman cathedrals and shit, you know? Because um, that takes money and, to do, dude. I think they just ran out of money. Oh, I feel like they had none to begin with. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and I think the, and then towards the end, when you think it might start getting good, um, where it's like he finally becomes an assassin, he puts on the hood with some other guys, you, ju- close on, you finally climbs up top of a building, like, oh, cool, we're going to get some cool... And then it ends out of nowhere. Like, it feels like it's building up to a climax, but then it ends, and it's like, oh, you, we almost got a good scene. Like, I think there's maybe two action scenes in the film and they're both bad. It's, yeah, um, I just remember one had something to do with a carriage. I don't fucking know, dude. I'm just... Yeah, no, I, I remember that scene, but I don't remember what happened because <sighs> it was so much shaky cam and close-ups. It was a bad I couldn't movie. tell what was going on. I think he jumped onto a carriage, but I don't know. It was, yeah. it was really bad. Uh, yeah, this is depressing, mate. Fuck this. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, man, let me just... Uh, I, I, we Okay, so I posed a question to you, right? Like this is oh. a little bit of a surprise, a uh, little bit of surprise. Sorry, thing. yeah. Before we go, yeah, should we see what the after party said? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna put that right at the end. Oh, okay. So, Sorry, yeah. my bad, my bad. Uh, I posed, I posed a question to you, and basically the question was, if you had to pick one video game to turn into a movie, what would it be, and who would be your ideal director slash actors slash cast? So, do you have one in mind? Not a great one. To be honest, the older I get, the more I realize I think most video games should not be movies because you got great ones like you look at something like The Last of Us, right? Which obviously probably inspired shit like Logan. See, I, kn- go, I knew you were going to say that and like I specifically did not pick it because it basically is a movie already and it's perfect. Yeah, right? And then I look at things like um, for example, the new God of War, where they literally had to change so much about the character just so they could tell a story because before it wasn't so narrative-based. You love your Sony and exclusives. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Sony lately are really getting into mm. um, narrative single-player stuff, which is like the opposite of Xbox, and that's why I'm starting to love Sony so much. Um, but then I look at, like, everybody always goes, oh, a Legend of Zelda movie would be amazing. Like, no, it wouldn't. It'd be terrible because the main character can't talk. The second he starts saying words, he's not the character anymore. And who's the supporting cast? There's Zelda and like Ganondorf and nobody else. So 
I think a Zelda movie probably wouldn't be great. I'm very skeptical about the upcoming Super Mario Bros. movie because, again, like, I, I get why they get the minion guys to do it because minions don't talk. But I think if other outside of Yahoo and it's a me, Mario, he can't say anything else or it won't be him. So, and like the smartest thing about Sonic was by fucking everything else off and just putting the character and his personality in like a familiar world. Um, so I'm left with thinking, what the fuck would my choice be? And my my first choice is already being made. It's Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and they're doing it the way I would want them to do it. It's an R-rated Avengers um, with a with an unknown cast mostly. Um so at this point, I was like, what the fuck do I pick? I think that's, yeah, and, that, that, that's disqualified, then, dude, if you choose that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I got a pick, but it's not a great one. Um, but it's a game I'm currently playing now, uh, which is another Sony exclusive, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Nice. Um, that's a good why pick, do I, dude. Yeah. So why do I think it would be a good pick? Also, like speaking of Sonic, like Rampage is another example. It's got almost nothing in common with the video game. Oh, Matthew. And that's probably why you, it works. You keep going, you know? you keep, you keep going yeah. backwards. Like as soon as you get yeah. interesting, you no, just no, go backwards. <laughs> no, no, but I'm getting to a point. Like, oh, no. You look at like the reason that movie isn't completely shit is because they made up so much new shit to it and it's added in the key memorable elements. But the reason I think Horizon Zero Dawn could be a good movie is because that game is so bad at storytelling. There's a lot of great, there's a great world, there's great building, there's great stuff, but it's got pretty shitty cutscenes for the most part. And a lot of the story is told through these very awkward um, dialogue conversations that I just want to skip through because it's so uninteresting because it has a, a choice system which doesn't relate to the gameplay and... It's just it's just two people standing still with no action going on. Complete opposite to like what Last of Us and God of War do. But the world is so interesting, and there's so much great um, creatures and stuff. Which you know, with all the CGI budgets going through the roof, it'd be amazing. Um, who would I play? Who would I get? Star. Um, I would probably get a Jennifer Lawrence type. I wouldn't say Jennifer. It could be Jennifer Lawrence, but I feel like that character is very inspired by Katniss from The Hunger Games. I am told that. There was some inspiration from one of the actresses from Game of Thrones. I'm not sure who, but I would say a Jennifer Lawrence type would be good. Um, no one's coming to mind, but yeah, it could be Jennifer Lawrence if we just want to be like, fuck it. But cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know who would direct it, but it'd probably be, um, it'd be someone like, I know I want them not to overdo the comedy and stuff. It, it would still be a PG 13 film, but they'd probably want to be someone who can do like good, good heart to it. Cause I think heart is what's going to make that character shine in a world that's so fucking intimidating. But yeah, what do you got? Well, dude, mine is, um, it's funny that you went for a PlayStation exclusive because I went for an Xbox exclusive. <laughs> um, you think Halo like everybody else? No, no. I wanted to go a little bit more original, yet at the same time not very original because it's actually been spoken um, about already by the director that I actually had in mind. I actually found out in research, like, while I was like, you know, maybe this would be a good director. Um, and then I found out that he actually spoke on it. Like, he was actually interested <laughs> in doing it. Um, my choice is Bioshock, the first Bioshock. Right, yeah. If you're unfamiliar with Bioshock, it is amazing. Like, Bioshock is just a game that's very story-driven. It's very world-driven, very atmospheric. Um, basically, uh, you go down in this uh, airplane crash and you end up in the 
in this underwater sort of like city that's basically gone insane. Like, you know, like there's these, there's these like characters called splices and they're, they're, they're bad guys and you get these. Oh, I can't even explain it to you, dude. It is, it's just so <laughs> fant- fantastical. Yeah. It's a fantasy and it's just so well crafted, so well made. There's a twist at the end of the game that's absolutely outstanding. Um, so this, this game was a, was an Xbox exclusive for a very long time until I think it went to all platforms. But yeah, man, the first um, Bioshock was just an absolute amazing experience that I, I really, really reveled in when I played it the first time. Um, my director, I don't have any actors for it because there's no actual actor. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there's the big daddies that walk around with the with the 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 little girls, but I mean, you know, you can't really select an actor for those. Um, you know, the, the, the main bad guy, I guess you could probably choose an actor for him, but I don't really have anyone in mind. Um, the director that I chose was, was, um, and you know, based off the shape of water, based off Pam's labyrinth, uh, Goyomo del Toro. Makes sense. Of course. Dude. I mean, like the guy can do fantasy, like, you know, the guy can do underwater worlds. (laughs) Like, you know, the guy, the guy knows how to create just, just world building and universes, um, and the guy knows how to use practical effects to the best of their ability. Um, so back in 2017, he actually talked about this movie. Um, he said, um, because originally this movie was going to go into production. Um, the original director was Gore Verbinski, who directed the first three parts of the Caribbean films. Um, and he was, you know, ultimately they kind of killed the project because he wanted a, a huge budget. He wanted a $200 million budget and he wanted an R rating. Like, you know, that is a expensive R rating. You could do that movie with $200 million, but you couldn't, You de- no one's going to say right. R rating for that. Like, yeah. No studio is going to agree to that. Absolutely. It's either one or the other. You won't get both. Uh, but to be honest, I think you can kind of create a decent, you know, a decent Bioshock film with $90 million. I, I actually think you could. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so... Uh, Gabriel de Toro told the shortlist. He expressed uh, interest in directing. He said, "As for making movies out of games, the one I could do, I could really see is Bioshock. I would love to make it into a movie." Gorbinski was attached to it, and he would have been perfect. So, yeah, man, I think if 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 there was like a wish list, it would be Bioshock, um, because that is a story-driven game that's not overly cinematic. It's all done through gameplay, um, and it's not it's not very you know it's not like like, like the Last of Us where you have these you know, massive sort of like uh, cutscenes that, you know, show the story and already perfectly. It's all sort of like, you know, uh, in-game based uh, combat. It's in-game based events. Um, yeah, so I, I, I do think that it can, can be done really, really well. So, yeah, that's my pick, I man. Think I haven't played Bioshock, but from what I know of it, I think the world would be really great to see on screen. But I imagine they would have to create or somehow generate a, like a new batch of characters to live in that world, right? Because it's not so much character focused, isn't it? It is. It is actually pretty character focused. Um, you know, surprisingly, like the okay. like the, the the guy the guy that you play has a a very mysterious backstory, and the villain has a very mysterious backstory. And it's not until the end of the game that both characters. And how they are related to one another, one, one another, like how it, it becomes very clear, and it's actually masterfully executed. It is so clever in the way it decides to tell its story that I would, I, I think it would make an amazing, amazing film. Um, cool. But yeah, yeah. Let's. I think if if I was to pick other films and I just list them off, 
as a kid, I always wanted to see a Killer Instinct movie, but that would never get made because that franchise isn't popular enough. Um, I would love to see something like Time Crisis because I think that anime-inspired Japanese vibe could be weirdly interesting if they did, like, some John Wick shit to it. Oh, dude, there um, was a game back in the day, I think it was around 2008 or something, called Time Shifter. I think I've mentioned uh, it on the podcast yeah, before. I think I know, yeah. Yeah, pretty fucking um, cool. I think um, I'd also love to see something like I remember Nintendo once to promote uh, one of the Star Fox games. They had like a little mini anime that went for like 10 minutes. And I remember thinking that'd be really cool as a movie if they did it. Like I love to see if they did it with puppets or something or, or, or CGI. Um, but yeah, most Nintendo properties I think would be terrible as movies though. Um, but we'll see that about Mario. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting exercise to think about it. But when I really think about it, like a lot of people just go, this is cool. Let's make a great movie. Well, it's like, yeah, but like storytelling works differently to gameplay. Like a lot of great stuff about like Call of Duty is a popular franchise. Doesn't mean it's going to make a good movie. You know, it's, you know, um, yeah. You got to also think about like what are the Easter eggs at and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, this is, this is fun, man. This is fun. Cool, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, we posted our poll in the after party, um, which resulted in a lot of comments so we're going to go through most of them, not all of them. Um, the poll results were actually kind of interesting, right? I mean, the winner of the poll for favorite video game adaptation was clearly Mortal Kombat, 1995's Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Second place was Pokemon, Detective Pikachu. Uh, mm. Third place was Warcraft. Fourth place was Hitman. Oh, sorry, tied with fourth place was Hitman and Street Fighter. No votes for Sonic the Hedgehog, Resident Evil, Need for Speed, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, or Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Now, I did put a, an other category because, you know, you can't put all of the options in the poll. Yeah. So d- people did kind of like, you know, put some in. Um, let's let's start. Let's go through a few. Rick says Silent Hill and Ace Attorney are honorable mentions. Danielle Cutter says... Uh, I don't know what that gif is. Do you know what that gif is? Um, I'm gonna find it and I'll let you know. Okay. I I, I don't have it open. We'll 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 come back to you, Danielle Carter. Clay Boynton says Assassin's Creed? Question mark. Not that it was that great, but it beat a few of those. <laughs> Luke Newton. Uh, disagree. <laughs> listen, <laughs> disagree. Sorry, you just had to listen to that vitriol, Clay. <laughs> uh. Luke Newnham says, despite picking Detective Pikachu, I really enjoyed Tomb Raider 2018 too. Oh, baby, Luke, I am sorry. I thought it was better <laughs> than the Angie films. Surprised that neither that or Assassin's Creed made the list, to be honest. Carlos Picatossi. Oh, yep. Danielle Carter, that is Raiden from... Oh, there you go. Mortal um, Kombat. But that, I think it's, uh, but it's from the bad one, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh. Which, fun story about Mortal Kombat Annihilation... But when we first got DVD player, I went to Blockbuster, no video easy. I rented it and it's the quality is so much worse. And I watched it. I'm excited about watching my first ever DVD. My dad walks in, sees the terrible costumes and goes, are you watching Power Rangers? I thought you grew out of that. Realized how fucking terrible this movie was. <laughs> turned it off and never watched it again. Amazing. So I stand by the first Mortal Kombat is great. But if you think Mortal Kombat Annihilation is great, uh, go fuck yourself. I think, I think, I think, I don't know if Danielle was being sarcastic there because, uh, yeah. Carlos says, we all know Pokemon, the first movie is the best video game adaptation. Now, okay. Uh, does that count? 
Nah, anime doesn't count. Look, it 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 doesn't count. I think we're talking live action. Like, but um, Pokemon the first movie was I think it just got remade like again. It's, yeah, it's on Netflix. Um, like a yeah, 3D animated but, um, remake. Name one kid that didn't cry when watching that. Uh, oh, dude. It has a special place in many 90s kids' hearts. And so does the second one for me, uh, Pokemon 2000, you know, the one with Lugia and shit. That was awesome. Um, Brooke Moss says, Mortal Kombat's one of my favorite, quote, bad films, and I didn't expect to enjoy Warcraft, but I thought that one was pretty, actually pretty good too. Dude, yeah, I actually agree. Warcraft is, is pretty damn good. Like, it's directed by... <laughs> Um, oh, fuck! Why am, I, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, but like the CG in it is is like some of the best CG you'll ever see. Um, and why am I forgetting his name, dude? Like I, I can't, I can't believe this. he was in the Prestige. He's a fucking, he's one of the greatest fucking singers of all time. Who the fuck was in the Prestige? And <laughs> fucking and David S- Bowie's son. son, dude. David Bowie's son. Oh. Yeah, it's directed by David Bowie's son, which is actually incredible. What? Yeah, he directed Moon, he directed Source Code, and he directed Warcraft. Um, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat's fun. Oh, this is Alan Michael Pools. Mortal Kombat's fun, but come on, guys. It's the soundtrack that makes it. <laughs> uh, Low-key, he's, he's, he's not wrong. <laughs> right. Patrick Brassel also uh, agrees with you in regards to Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Danny Fouch says Resident Evil Apocalypse because reasons. And he posts a photo of Mila Jovovich. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Harrington, Street Fighter is so bad, so, so bad that it's genuinely an interesting watch because you wonder how the fuck they made it in made it in the first place. Plus, Jean-Claude Van Damme, you are all under arrest. <laughs> Danny Hartley says Detective Pikachu, Sonic, and the 2018 Tomb Raider are more bad than good, despite having surprising fan references occasionally. The lesser of all these evils is Detective Pikachu for me. Wow, glass half full, <laughs> Danny. I love it. <laughs> uh, dude, and I love, like, Patrick's, like, observation, right? He says, seems like all of us are thinking, thinking which of these is the least shittiest movie <laughs> with these picks? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think we took uh, listener Nathan Burkhart by surprise, right? He says, there seriously isn't a good one that I can't I can think of based on a video game. None of them are even remotely good at sticking to the source material, which is kind of the whole point of the movie. Um, a little bit of a side, I, uh, you know, you know me, I disagree with that sentiment. Like, I mean, especially yeah. when it comes to comic book movies, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a little, like, you know, I, it doesn't have to stick to the source material. It just kind of needs to get the essence of it. I think. Um, I'd say the new Lara Croft at least had the same feel as the video game reboot trilogy. Oh boy. Well, the the problem is is. And I think the Lonely Lara Croft does this a little bit. Is when you start directing, uh, lifting scenes directly out of it. Um, Why are we watching? You're this? walking a, f- like, well, you're walking a fine line between. Um, what we just talked about. Fan the last service. Of yeah, like, are, is it fan service or are you like you? Like, why are we watching this? Like, right. you know. So it's, I think that it's 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 going to be a question that is doesn't have an easy answer. But because you need some of you need it to be somewhat familiar, because if you go too far away from source material, you're going to lose the fans, um, which we have seen happen before. Right. So I, I don't know if there's an answer to that properly, but you shouldn't take too much out of it. Um, Nathan Burkhardt finishes his comment off saying, um, I voted other because I choose Wreck-It Ralph. Right. He cheated as well. He said, that's cheating he, so much. He that's said, cheating. I know it's not based on a particular video game, but rather it's an homage 
Some say a love letter to a ton of games from my formative years. The movie is chock full of references to video games from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and noughts. It's a movie for gamers seemingly made by gamers. If we're going to go that route, I'm just going to choose Ready Player One. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Or or if we just want to go um, uh, secret commercial for video games, <laughs> we could go The Wizard. Is it The Wizard or The Wiz? I think it's The Wizard. Uh, did you ever see that movie? No, I didn't. But I think it's, I've heard of um, both, The Wizard and The Wiz, so... I think yeah, I think it's the wizard. I think it's good. basically it's it's a it's basically Nintendo had to wait another year before they could release Super Mario three in Australia. Uh, sorry, in in um in America. Um, so they were just like, okay, you guys can make this movie about a kid who's really good at video games, and the climax is basically just a giant commercial for Super Mario Brothers three. They're like, they show up at some video game competition. They go. You're gonna play a brand new game, and it's just a montage of huh. Super Mario Bros. Three for five minutes, and it's clearly a commercial, and it's amazing that, like, that was even fucking allowed. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's old school yeah. for you, um, yeah. Carlos. Oh, uh, this is the final comment that I'm mentioning because we just have way too many. Um, so I really apologize, guys, for not getting to you. But Carlos says one pretty damn good point. You know what, Witcher is the best video game adaptation by far. Now, critically, I think it is, right? I mean, like, you know, and speaking to people who have seen it, um, I mean, like, because I haven't seen it myself, I've only seen the first two episodes, um, That's that might be accurate, I think, like, from from what I'm hearing. I I would agree. However, I believe it, um, maybe they only said it's for legal reasons, but I believe it's actually based off the books rather than the game. Uh, if you want to get real nitpicky, but if you look at the show and you look at the game, like you can tell it's the same thing, you know. Yeah, no, so absolutely. I think it's, I think it's a it's a gray area if I'm going to agree with that. But um, it is it is well very well received. That is true. Yeah, man. Um, look, that about does it for this week's MDF game. Holy shit! But that was a, dude. That was a good one, right? Like, let's let me just say I wanted to choose one that would have been infinitely more shittier. Like I was like, hey. <laughs> Let's all let's all choose our favorite classic monsters, and you're just like, no, 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 no. We're gonna do video well, game adaptations, and I was like, that's much better. Well, yeah, I know. I was just thinking, like, every classic monster kind of bores the shit out of me, to be honest. Like, like there's cool concepts, but they haven't been done really well in cinema, um, which is what, which is a shame because that's what exciting about Dark Universe. You know, we're gonna oh, we're gonna get a new of all these, but then. I don't know how the fuck you'd cross them over without it being shitty. And then we saw how bad the mummy was. And now we saw how good the invisible man was. And I think Universal made the right choice. Hot take though. <laughs> I was never excited about Dark Universe. Uh hot take. That's not a hot take. I think most people <laughs> agree with you. I think we uh, were just it was just a, is this a time where the industry was excited about cinematic universes? Because as always, when someone does something right, everybody else copies, but Look at every other cinematic universe. The DC one. Oh, let's not go down. May this or may not hole, exist. Dude, it's way too late. Fuck. Um, but the most successful one is The Conjuring, probably, which is kind of saying something. Uh, yeah. Do you think they'll? Do you think The Conjuring will have their own Avengers, where The Conjuring <laughs> teams up with the Nun and um, Annabelle? <sighs> Annabelle versus the Nun. How bad would that movie be? You're giving me a stroke right now. Like I'm just actually. Having a, a a stroke right now, and dude, Fast and Furious is also bad enough with its its uh universe happening right now with Hobbs and Shaw and shit. So I'm good, bro. You just know James Wan is somewhere. They're going, come on, guys, 
Annabelle versus the nun. Let's make it happen. <laughs> no. Yeah. Let's um, get away from it. Yeah. Let's take us out of here. Take let, us out of here. Let's just get the fuck away from this, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for this upcoming attractions episode. We have been Midnight Double Feature. Um, this has been a this has been fun. Oh, uh, dude, I, I'm I'm I love these MDF games now. Like I'm just like they're they're a staple. They're staying. Uh, we get great community engagement, and if you want to engage with the community, please follow our after party, our after party group. Sorry, excuse me, uh, which is on Facebook. It's called the After Party. That's three words. Um, and yeah, we all have a great time there. You know, membership is free. You don't have to pay any bullshit, or there's no paywall. Uh, we also have the Midnight Double Feature main page. If you want, don't want to engage with the you know community, but still want to see our updates, uh, it's just called Midnight Double Feature. That's our main page on Facebook. We're on Twitter, which is at MDF Pod. We're on uh, Instagram, which is at Midnight Double Feature. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. We have a competition going at the moment. You can select a free movie for us to cover, any movie, and we will cover it. All you have to do is just uh, screenshot a review that you have written on iTunes and send it to midnightdoublefeature at gmail.com. Uh, Matt, do you have anything else to say before we get the fuck out of here? Uh, just something I'd love to say that I just saw on my Facebook, which ties into the after party. Um, a while ago, uh, you posted in the after party a few things about the the bushfires in Australia, you know, before the Golden Globes and everyone started talking about it. You did it before it was cool. Um, <laughs> but I just saw on my Facebook now, um, for the first time since July 2019, there are no active bush or grass fires in New South Wales. So... I'm. I'm not saying the after party is the reason for this, but uh, thanks where, to those where, who, where you, who helped out. Where did you, when did you see that? Because I I posted that in the after party a while back that the fires were out. Uh, no, no, no. I oh, oh, did you? Oh, I didn't. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> I, I just saw this on another thing right now. Um, uh, it, it might just be you know like Facebook's weird when it comes to like posts like that. Like sometimes like it, it, you would think it's the most recent, but it's not. It's like posted like a month ago and it's like here you go this says this says four hours though so i don't know maybe they posted it or, i don't know fuck mm. anyways though i'm glad my country is well at least my state is not on fire i think there might be some still in victoria but yeah that's always nice it's always nice dude um yeah i oh well okay well hold on like uh, sorry i'm just reading it now after this is 13th of feb after a month of tireless firefighting, the rural fire fire sorry, the rural fire services advised that for the first time this season, all fires burning in New South Wales have been declared contained. I don't, I mean, I don't know what the what the difference is there, but okay, cool. Well, at least it's good news, either all the way around, right? That's good. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, and that's it for for us, I guess, with the with, with um, upcoming attractions. Uh, next up, we have another feature presentation coming, which where we go through a whole film. Zoheb, do you know what that film is going to be? Yes. If you're in the after party, you already know that it's going to be First Blood, 1982's First Blood. Really keen for that one. Rambo. Rambo. Yeah. Cool. And I cool. um, hope that's a lot of fun. Uh, we'll see you guys later.